All right, what's up, guys? This is Inside the North Side coming to you from St. Arnold Brewery. Uh, I have a very special guest here today. Um, please introduce yourself, sir. Uh, my name's Aaron Inkrot. I'm the brewmaster here at St. Arnold Brewing Company. Um, I've been with the company for about 10 years, and before that, I was uh, giving tours here and volunteering at uh, a couple of other breweries, and then um, there's an opportunity to job opening for a brewer and pounced on it and been doing it ever since oh well welcome Aaron to inside the north side (laughs) all right so you said you've been with the company for about 10 years right Mm -hmm. and you said you were giving tours so how how was that from being somebody who's giving tours to now I guess in a a higher position how how did that how did that uh, transition for you um well I think it was just kind of just right place, right time, I, I guess, more or less. But um, um, I was really, I mean, just a passionate home brewer. Um, I was really, I was, I was working in the music industry before, uh, prior to being a brewer. And I knew there was this just really nice marriage of science and creativity. You know, like, it's really, really kind of my big, really joy of, of brewing is that it, it, ha- it blurs those two worlds for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so started out once I started brewing it just it was uh it was eye opening at how it's a, it's a it's a very manual focused job i mean you're our, we have a pretty pretty big brewery and footprint and you're walking anywhere between 7 to 10 miles a day and you know milling grain and it's 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 but it, at the end of the day you you still have something very tangible um, which is really nice um, so that you can kind of appreciate what you're actually enjoying rather than something that's not, I don't know, I mean, I imagine similar to being a chef or something like that, like you actually have something to enjoy at the end of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can um, see that. But getting, I, I guess, trying to understand the path that I was on, I mean, I think it just kind of, it just seemed organic, more or less. I, trying to quantify it, it seems a little difficult for me. Um but yeah, there were just opportunities that opened up while I was here, and you know, it being employed here is a fairly uh, lateral company. I mean, if I were to get a promotion, it would be the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when you're a brewer here, there's 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 just about kind of three rungs. You can be a lead brewer, and then you can production managing, and then and that's it. So, mm-hmm. what we really kind of strive and tell brewers is that here it's your, the success here is really dep- dependent upon the individual, and there are a lot of passion projects that reside here at St. Arnold, and if they have value to the company, value to the individual, and they're fiscally, you know, we can, we can afford it, and it, it, makes, it, help, it makes sense business-wise, then we, we put a lot of energy into that project for that individual just because it's rewarding for them, it's rewarding for the company, and I think those are you know, two positive things. For sure, for sure. I can see that. All right, so before we get into St. Arnold stuff, I want to get to know more about you, Mr. Aaron. So are you a a Houstonian? Did you grow up here, or are you from somewhere else? Uh, I grew up in a small town of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, uh, north of Tulsa. Um, I graduated high school there, and I went to to college in New Jersey. I got a swimming scholarship to go up there. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) I 
I had visited New York City when I was a sophomore in high school, and I realized I need to do whatever it takes to get here. Mm-hmm. So I was talented enough at swimming to get a scholarship to go out of state. And as soon as I was in Jersey, I was like, I'm going to go to New York as frequently as possible. Um, ended up getting an internship to work at a label, a record label up there. And I did that for several summers. Um, during that time, I got big into home brewing. Worked at a worked at a brew pub as a bartender, not a brewer, but I was always around brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of was my first introduction that there's more than one beer style, you know, more than one mic- micro lager, basic or macro lager. And I was starting to see the rel- the similarities of making music and making beer. Um, and then kind of got tired of the industry, um, a recording industry, and made a move <clears throat> to Houston because uh, it was an easy move because my parents lived here. So it was an easy transition. I was, you know, young, didn't have a mortgage, didn't, like, didn't have any responsibilities. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to make the transition, the time is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so did that and moved here. I moved here about 15 years ago. So Houston's the place I've lived the longest, so it's definitely home. Um, and then started getting into home brewing with my dad and started going to the ginger man and flying saucer. And, and then that's when I learned about the, you know, the world of beer. And mm-hmm. I guess there, I guess you call that history. <laughs> <laughs> so you being from Oklahoma, that transition going to like New Jersey and then of course New York is like right next door. And it must've been like, like shocking for you. Cause you said you came from a small town and then going to, yeah the biggest city pretty much, you know, in the world almost. So that must have been very exciting for you and kind of frightening, I can I can I can guess, right? Frightening is very key word there cuz 2 weeks of living in Jersey in my dorm, 9/11 happened. Oh, really? Yeah. So that Ooh. was my freshman year and I've been living in in the in the dorm for just 2 weeks. My roommate was from Queens. So he was devastated. Yes. Um and I felt very much like an alien observing, you know, Mm-hmm. this this different culture because I wasn't affected by it and um, it was surreal honestly and that kind of I mean there's defining moments in many people's lives but I mean that was definitely one and just kind of witnessing how devastating it was for a lot of people um, but yeah it was I mean it he was he was Sicilian so my roommate so it was really interesting that um kind of getting that perspective because I was I would always say that I was more of a sheltered kid mm-hmm. um, and then getting in New York and uh, yeah it's just it kind of takes the horse blinders off you know and you can you, you stop seeing you start seeing peripherally yeah know? I thought I think that's what's great about living up there but I find a lot of similarities in Houston it's we're culturally diverse um, probably even more so than New York and um, so I, I think that's why I love Houston so much because I, I, I mean it's you can you get a wide range of of cultures and diversity and food and and museums. I mean, it's that's that's why Houston's so great for a variety of reasons. You heard it from him. Houston, H Town holds it down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then you said you worked in the music industry. What did you do uh, at the record label? Um, I did what's called A and R, artist and repertoire. So I listened to a lot of demos and try to find the next the next great artist. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I didn't turn there and, um, did a lot of kind of logistics and, um, just 
artist management, more or less making sure that they had studio time booked in the region that they were located in, ensuring that everything lined up with their managers and their tours. Um, and then eventually I made my way into recording studios and actually being an engineer and producer. Um, so that was really rewarding. Uh, that's a lot of fun to kind of coach an artist to, you know, get, get the performance out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where that click with finding that relationship with brewing was really interesting to me because the brewer, you're not just the recording engineer or producer, you're also the artist. So you're basically think of it being a musician that's recording yourself, but also putting out product, which, you know, it's, it's all, that's also very rewarding. So that's pretty cool that you were A&R and then you moved up and got into the recording studio. Um, do you play any instruments yourself or? Uh, yeah. So I classically trained in violin and piano and I play a lot of guitar, mostly guitar and piano now. Oh, that's cool. I, I play guitar as well. I, oh, okay, great. I was in the music scene here for a while and then, uh, I don't know. After a while, I just I couldn't find what I wanted, so I naturally got into podcasting. I realized that they're kind of both in the same. I mean, really, I'm the host, pretty much like I'm the lead singer of a band. Mm-hmm. You know, I I pretty much did the same thing as I as I was with other bands. I promoted. I was pretty much the promoter <laughs> for yeah. the bands. I would always do the social media. I would try to get bands uh, or the bands I was in shows and gigs and stuff like that. So. Like I said, similarities between me and podcasting, you know, I'm reaching out to, of course, like you and like Eureka and all these other little people that I want to reach out to pretty much like, hey, let me let's book a show, <laughs> you know, pretty much in a yeah. way. But um, that's very fun because I really wanted to I wanted to be a music producer when I was in high school. And that was like my dream was like, yeah, I'm going to be a music producer. I'm going to do this and this and this and that. And uh it didn't, it didn't go that way, but hey, I'm happy where I'm at right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, there's definitely moments where I miss the i miss the being behind a board and witnessing a magical you know performance mm-hmm. i mean that's what's but that that happens so rarely cuz i had to i mean the the stuff that i was working on a lot of times were someone would come in with just a a cd2 track and they would just sing over sing over a you know something that's performed mm-hmm. and i i'd much rather set up you know a drum kit set up a piano and mic everything up and record musicians rather than just putting in a CD and loading that into Pro Tools and then someone sings on top of it. That that doesn't thrill me. Yeah, but I can see the, the, the fun and exciting of setting up. And, this and that. I've been in the studio before and I I always like to get there early and watch them set up because it's, it's a craft. You yeah. know, it's like you got to tune the drums correctly. You're going to have the mic set up a perfect way, a certain type of mic. You know how far they can be put out the carpet. So I, I, I love seeing that stuff too because it's like I said, I'm a musician as well. But just seeing the art and the science between, like trying to get everything pitch perfect and everything like that. So it's, it's I can see how I, I would love that too. Yeah, it's there. It definitely had a lot of rewarding moments for sure. But so do you know any? Here. Are there any artists that you can say that you kind of worked with that we might know? Oh, uh, so I worked for Wind Up Records, um, and that was the time of. Evanescence and Seether and um, Creed was on the label, but I didn't do anything with them. Um, I did get to hang out with Mark Tremonti, their guitar player, and he was he was one of the best people I've ever met in, in that industry. Um, there are a lot of bands that I really worked on that we brought in 
one strata that I really loved. Um, unfortunately, they didn't. I mean, they had some glimpses of success, but you know, it's it's so rare that there. I feel like a lot of musicians when they sign to record labels are you know promised these grandeur you know ambitions, and the chances are so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I think what's really great about technology now is that anybody can do it at home now and you can get your music out on Spotify or whatever streaming platform. And there's a lot of great music that those musicians are actually getting noticed and, you know, making money doing it. But that means you have to sift through a lot of crap to find them, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Labels were doing that for you, I guess, in in a manner of speaking. But um, it is unfortunate that, you know, artists are kind of a brand and they're trying to sell you a candy bar, you know? It's yeah. like, it's like, sometimes I feel like that's the issue with record labels is that they're, I mean, they're selling a brand and, um, and hopefully you just want people to just sit down and listen to it and find meaning in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you pretty much during the time of like alt rock and stuff like that, Evanescence, Creed. And it's like, yeah. I like Creed. I don't know why everybody gives a lot of crap to Creed. I enjoy their music. Um, it's I funny. think it's, it's, it's like with, I, I guess, with Nickelback. They, yeah. they can't not write a hit song, and that makes everybody mad. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, they have great music. You know, I if love- I were in those bands, I'd be like, I'd be totally okay with it. And it's like, everybody loves my music, except you. <laughs> He's making the money. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, if you're a one-hit wonder, I would be totally happy to be a one-hit wonder, because everybody loves that song, and mm-hmm. it makes me a lot of money. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like I said... I don't care. I like Nickelback. Yeah. I like Creed. I will sing Creed at a karaoke night and piss go, everybody off. I would go on stage with you. I'd be there with you. With arms wide open, baby. I did that for a Halloween party, and people were like, please turn it off already. Please, you're doing too much, Scott. And I was like, I can't, you know. <laughs> okay, so you're in the music industry, and then were you still... I mean, okay, before that, what kind of, I guess... How did your love of craft brewing, I guess, come about? Was this when you were like in Oklahoma? Were you a freshman in high school, college, or where did that where did that love of like brewery come from? I honestly didn't have a drop of alcohol until I was in college. Um, my so my when I was in college, there was a bar um, bar restaurant that had like fifty different beers on tap, and you would get a T shirt if you tried them all. So I was like, yeah, that sounds really interesting. So that was my first introduction that. There's a vast array of different beers available. Mm-hmm. So, and then while I was in school, my two older brother-in-laws, uh, they're both engineers, got big into home brewing, And I was like, that's interesting. Didn't know you could do that. And so I, I was always aware of that you were able to do that. Um, so when I made the move to Houston, um, lived with my parents for a bit, and that was kind of that window to, I told my dad, I was like, we should we should get into this because, I mean, he was, he liked, you know, he was a chemist, so he was big into chemistry and fermentation and, and kind of learning more about that. And me as a engineer and, and into music, it was kind of how do I also create something with beer? So it, I kind of, again, saw those similarities. And so we just kind of dove into it. And then we did a couple batches on extract and then we kind of, that, the bug hit basically. Mm-hmm. We went all grain right after that, and then for about three, three or four years, we were brewing every other week, and you know, going to Saucer and Ginger Man, trying all these unique beers, and then 
got on beeradvocate.com, which was really the only platform for, you know, going on beer forums and talking about beer. And then I found this world of beer trading. So got into beer trading and tra- mm-hmm. trading beer f- <clears throat> all over the world. And then I found Twitter. And then there's this whole community in Houston that was really centered around beer as well. And so mm-hmm. I made a lot of friendships that way. Um, just like similar people that really liked beer and we would meet out and run around and get to know each other. And I still hang out with a lot of those individuals right now. So it's, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. It, um, it, beer is such a community driven thing because I mean, that's historically why people congregated to begin with was this, you know, liquid brought people together. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty cool, and it still does. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, I guess you can say you're pretty much into the big, huge beer craft community here in Houston, right? Yeah. So do you guys, like, because I know I've interviewed Evan from Eureka, and I've interviewed Dave from um, Urban South. Dave Omer? Yes, and great guys. Yeah. Shout out to them. And I've asked them, too, it's like, so are you guys, like, very, like, cool with the craft beer? And they're like, yeah, we, get, you know, we meet up with each other. We go to each other's breweries and try each other's beers and stuff like that. So I guess you guys, too, like, y'll go, like, hey, let's go to so-and-so, and let's go try a beer from them and stuff like that. Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's I think it's probably the only industry that's has this, you know, competitive camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It, as, as long as everybody is making great beer, more people are going to come out and discover craft beer. And that's a net positive for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when I started ten, 10 years ago, there were less than 10 breweries in Houston. Now there's like 60 or something like it that. It has to be more. <laughs> probably there, more. There, there's probably more. Um, but it's, it's exciting that, you know, people are, you know, opening and, you know, sharing and developing their, you know, stuff that they're passionate about. And I, and I feel like with craft, you can like it, that passion oozes out of people's skins. Like, like, and it, that really gravitates a lot of people, which is pretty great. Yeah. Cause like I said, I wanted to ask the, you guys, of course, that question, because I know I have a lot of friends in the West coast and LA and some people in the East coast that interview breweries as well. And usually I always hear that they're always like, kind of down their necks like everyone's like trying to like compete with each other but like they're kind of backstabbing in a way so i like to hear that here in houston we're just kind of like hey yeah we're cool with everybody you know hey why not you know why do we have to like fight with each other we make beer everybody's enjoys our beer it's like why why fight you know that's strange to me it is strange that's what i'm saying it's really strange i've got a i mean i've got friends in other at other breweries across the country and huh that sucks yeah, it does. I have a friend of mine. He he likes going to craft beer, uh, breweries and stuff like that. And he tells me that some of the breweries that they know they're kind of like backstabbing. And I'm like, no. that's not cool. It's like that doesn't that doesn't look good on them. But no. it's nice to know that. I mean, we're we're bigger here. We're just like, hey, we're all cool with each other. Why fight? It, you know, not to exhaust the music analogy, but it's like any musician going to go see his favorite band. I mean, it's. Yeah, I love going to my friends' breweries and drink their beer. And, you know, if I tra- taste something unique, I was like, how'd you do this? And, and then most of the time we're, we, we love, you know, talking about how we're making things. And um, I think kind of keeping that communication going is just going to keep opening doors. It's not going to close them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's strange. Yeah, it is strange. It's weird. So you started here 10 years ago. Um, 
what was like your first thought? Like, did you were like, all right, cool. I'm working here at St. Arnold's. This is awesome. I mean, this is one of like the number one places here in Houston, you know, what was like going through your mind when you like started working here? I would have been fine just brewing for the really? rest of my life. Yeah. My body probably wouldn't have been able to handle it, but I would have been <laughs> fine. Just the first beer I made was Alyssa. And that was the first beer I fell in love with when I moved to Houston. Mm-hmm. So I remember texting my family. I was like, I'm making Alyssa. And it, it, it yeah, it's great. It's and that joy of making that beer, watching it ferment, and then two, three weeks later, walking, watching it get packaged on the bottling line, and and, it, and knowing then that goes to the market, you, and watching people drink it is is a surreal feeling too. And then as the longer you're here, you can you start you can get involved into test brewing and potentially get a recipe for a production release. And so that's really awesome to see that process of development, and then. You actually scale it up, and you make 120 barrels of it, and then you watch it get packaged, and then you can, then you see other people drinking in the, in the market, and you're just like, it's a very satisfying feeling. Hey, I made that, <laughs> and you have a smile on your face every time you take a sip of it. Exactly. <laughs> so, since you're a brewer, can you give us a little insight to like the process of brewing and stuff like that? Yeah. Just a little, you know, it's, not too long, but you know, it's pretty simple. Um, there's four main ingredients: um, malted grain. Uh, water, hops, and finally yeast. <clears throat> the first thing you do is you mix hot water with grain, and what happens during that process is those natural starches within the grain are converted into sugar. Think of it like oatmeal. It's exact. It's very similar to oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Um, what we want to do is remove the liquid after it's soaked for a little bit. That liquid is called wort, W-O-R-T, and it's unfermented. Mm-hmm. Um, then we boil it. The reason why we boil it is for a variety of reasons. One is sterilizing it. Um, which is why uh, beer and wine were consumed, were typically the only beverages consumed a long time ago because um, the water was full of lots of different, you know, bacteria and made people sick and died. So yeah. people drank beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the name of St. Arnold because he was, you know, the Bishop of Metz of France and <clears throat> said, don't drink water, you should drink beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was really popular. Um, anyways. You boil the wort, uh, sterilize it. You also add hops. The reason why you add hops is not only are they add bittering it, bittering to balance the sweetness, but they're a, a natural preservative. Um, and then you cool it down, and then you add yeast. Yeast is uh, is a living single cell organism that ferment uh, eats the sugars and then creates CO two and alcohol. And that's there that's you go. Have a beer. That's how you make beer. <laughs> So is there a different process when you're making, of course, like the Christmas sale or the spring brock? Is there any other, like, ingredients that goes to it? Is there a different way, like, you know? Yeah. Um, malted grain, there's basically three, four different types of malted barley. So barley is the main grain that we use. Mm-hmm. There's what's called a base malt. It's a very um, – it doesn't provide a lot of color. It makes basically a straw or golden color, and um, it's responsible for – like single chain carbohydrates, which are ones that can be fermented by um, um, uh, your standard yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's more complex carbs, which are come from you know crystal malt, and um, depending on the type of mash temperature that you use, can also create a longer chain carbs. And those will change the mouthfeel, the color of the beer, the taste of the beer. So those f- like those different types of grains can provide um, you know not only the alcohol but the color, the s- like. Is it sweet? Is it roasty? Is it, you know, even some malts can provide some level of bitterness. 
And then hops, there's hundreds of different types of hops that you can use that affect aroma, bitterness, and flavor. Yeah, it, the whole science, pretty well, much. Well, yeah, there's the science, but and, and it, it blows my it blows my mind just thinking of of being a chef, like the the higher amount of variables being a chef compared to just making beers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, being a brewer is difficult enough, and trying to think of that being a chef, and I'm like, oh. There's just so many ingredients. But it sounds fun. It sounds fun, yes. <laughs> and equally rewarding. So Yes. So, Aaron, do you like any sports? Are you a sports fanatic? Yes, I do like sports. Um, so I swam, so I'm big into swimming, so I always watch the Olympics. And during swim season, I'll, I try to keep up with who the you know, top swimmers are. And, and uh, uh, love baseball. I've always enjoyed baseball. I played it when I was younger. And when it came time, when I was in high school, like I could pick one and mm-hmm. but I was much better at swimming than I was baseball. Um so I always watch the Astros. Um I like football. I don't have a team, I would say, but I like watching it. Mm-hmm. But I don't go out of my way every Sunday to watch it. Um there um hockey, love hockey. When I when I lived up northeast <clears throat> man, well that's big hockey. Yeah. That's, that's that's hockey country. And holy smoke seeing Large men be so graceful on the ice is very entertaining. And uh, so that's fun. Um, I'd say those are the main ones, maybe. No basketball? No basketball. I, I mean, I played basketball, but I don't, I, I don't watch too much of it. Like you said, you don't go out of your way to watch it. You're just like, if it's on, it's on. If it's on, it's on, I'll watch <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy watching the Rockets for sure. And I'll go to a game. I, I try to go to a game for each sport in Houston at least once, once a year. So I haven't been to my Texans game yet, but um, I always try to go to, you know, one Rocket game. I always try to go at least 10 baseball games, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's more of them, so it's easier to do that. So Speaking of baseball, I know you guys have St. Arnold's, like, uh, what's it called? What would you call it? Uh, like a stand in the Min- in oh, Minimum yeah. Park. So that's that's really awesome. Dude, it's super cool. Um, so, yeah, if, if no one's been to Minute Maid, that's where the Astros play, and then uh, left field, <clears throat> there's a section of stands called Crawford Boxes, and Crawford is just the street um, where it's at. But behind those is a huge St. Arnold mural bar. And what's really cool about that bar is that the most beer sold in that entire stadium is at that bar. Oh, I wouldn't expect it. Yeah. I would I would be like, of course, why not? Why wouldn't no – I mean, why? Yeah. So, I mean, they may not always be buying St. Arnold, but they always see it. And – Another really cool stat about Minute Maid is that's our number one account. Really? It's not open year-round, but the most beer flows. Of all of our, of, of, of all of our accounts, that's the number one, and it's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that is super awesome to have like your own like, section in Minute Maid. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't really happen for a lot of people, but it's like yeah. beer. So you, Your guys are like literally down the street from each other, and... I'm assuming you probably you guys get like good tickets and good seats and stuff like that to we, watch. The company does have a couple. <clears throat> we've got two two sets, two pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, one's right behind home plate, not the diamond section. That would be silly. Um, <laughs> but and then right on uh, first base line. Oh wow! Um, so there's always during the season, everybody is can typically go to a game because there's there's eighty what eighty one games, eighty one home games. And yeah. So pretty much every if anybody wants to go, they have an opportunity to at least to go to one. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. And same thing for Texans. We've we've got those tickets as well. Um, and we do like um, 
tail, tailgating at, at the Texans. So every before every game, it's free. If you ever want to go to a St. Arnold tailgate at the at the brewery, just email the brewery, info at starnold.com or brewery at starnold.com. Let them know you want to go to the tailgate, and there's a beer waiting for you. Really? Yeah. Um, that's I nice. might have to keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. And uh, um, what was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> well, um, so let, let's get into a little more sports. So how did you feel about this season with Astros? I mean, we, we made it to the World Series. We fell short. Yeah. How did you guys feel about that? Well, I mean, it was exciting to get that far. It's always exciting to get yes. that far. Um, but, I mean, it, it, so here's something interesting. that um, we're Since we're a corporate sponsor, <clears throat> um, this year uh, the Astros Corporation flew out some of their corporate sponsors to go to an Atlanta game. Really? I was lucky enough to go to that game. Wow. Yeah, so I went to game three. I went to game three with Brock, and I'll show you pictures later. It was it was wild. And it was really distressing. I guess not too surprising, but it was really sad that, you know, anytime Correa or Altuve get up, like they're all booing them and cheat or whatever. <laughs> um, but that was a really bummer to, to see, but I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised that that happened. Um, it would have been really fun to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been nice to have another parade and everyone just, yeah. you know, like 17, 17 was awesome. It, yeah. it was awesome to have the guys win. I got to go to the parade and then after the parade, there was just millions of people in the streets of yeah. city, just having a good time drinking, jumping on cars. And it was, it was a fun time. I, 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 it's unfortunate that that shadow will probably hang on them yeah. indefinitely. And um, if we had won, would that have changed it? Probably not. But it might have made it a little bit less. Yeah. I mean, it, I have people that are like, I know Dodger fans that are always howling me. Oh, you guys are cheaters. You guys are this and this and that. And it's like. But, but if Correa leaves and goes to New York. Does that make the New York Yankees fans hypocrites if they cheer for him? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. But, I mean, it's like well, they don't care. It's I like, mean, if you're a Yankees fan, you're, you're probably a hypocrite anyway. So. <laughs> I know I know some <laughs> Yankees fans. I kind of bashed them in my previous episode. but um, I was a Red Sox fan when I lived up northeast. Anyway, oh, okay. The bar that I worked, the, the brewery that I worked for was from Boston. So I was in, you know, I, had to, I was an adopted uh, Red Sox fan. And it was convenient because while I worked there, they won their first World Series in what eighty some odd years. So. Oh, in 05, yeah. 04? Oh, oh, that yeah, was 04. awesome. That, was, that would be, that's awesome. Yeah, so I got to experience <laughs> that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I used to like the Red Sox, and then like I found that they were talking about us and calling us cheaters, and I was like, wait, didn't you guys cheat in eighteen? But yeah. it's like, hey, hey, whatever, you know, you know whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. I mean, I had somebody tell me that. What well, the Astros did had to be like the worst thing in history and this and this and that. But it's kind of like you guys don't say anything about the Patriots and the Patriots were champs and they're winners. And, Everybody's you know, they've a, done stuff like that before. So everybody's a hypocrite. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody. There is no you cannot point the finger like no. they say. You point the finger. You got three no. fingers pointing back. I mean, everyone, everyone cheats. Everybody does everything. I mean, if you don't, if you ain't cheating, you're trying. That's what they say. Yeah. So there it is. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to music. So what kind of music are you into? I know we said Creed's, and Creed's, Creed's one of them things. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so having 
so I have a degree in music theory. So I, uh, I appreciate music on a variety of levels, not just because I, it's fun to listen to, or it, you know, makes me feel good, but listening to complex pieces of music, I find a lot of, uh, satisfaction in jazz or classical and polyrhythm music. And, um, but I also like, you know, pop music. There's a reason why pop music is called popular because it's really fun to listen to and mm-hmm. it's catchy and it makes you feel good. So, and it might just be a simple one, four, five chord and, but that's okay because it, and it's, it's fun how, you know, different chords can exude different emotions and, and yeah, music, music is great. And, and um, it's like that funny, like when people are like, do you like music? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> of course I like music. It's like, do you like breathing? Yes, I like breathing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the stuff I listen to most are classical, <clears throat> jazz. I like heavy metal. <laughs> I really love heavy metal. Who's your favorite heavy metal band? Um, Tool, hands down. Ooh, nice. I am a huge progressive metal fan. Animals as leaders. Um, They're very good as well. Um, Plenty. I think it's Plenty. He's an Australian guitarist. He's he's amazing. Um I mean there's so many bands that are escaping me right now. Um periphery. Like a lot of instrumental prog rock. I I I love that stuff. Rush. Love Rush. Yes. Um Yeah, it there there's a lot. But Tool is hands down. I think there when you mix, you know, polyrhythm metal drums with you know, low low end guitar grooves and then a spooky lead singer i mm-hmm. think that's fun <laughs> you ever listen to it when you're like crafting some beers and stuff oh, like that it gets oh, you in the in the it, rhythm you absolutely know that? absolutely i do <laughs> <laughs> if we're doing barrel tastings upstairs it's like i'll bring up a speaker and you know get in the moment <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun i like that so tool this and that uh, any classic heavy metal bands like metallica oh, I, absolutely metallica. when i was f- first learning guitar you have to learn master of puppets i think that's a requirement yes it is because that's what i learned <laughs> yeah especially. enter sandman you know yeah. um, and all that i love uh black sabbath i love um I, I mean classic rock and roll led zeppelin you have to like led zeppelin yeah you have to it's, it's like a, yeah oh floyd they're they're pro- of like classic rock pink floyd is definitely my favorite of that Cause it's like very ethereal and you know, out there. I mean, you can't just put a, a Pink Floyd song on, you have to put the album on and then go for the ride. You can't just put on one, thing. yeah. That's one's like whenever like radio stations they'll play like time or they'll play yeah. money, it's like no, just, just, put, just, put, just put the whole thing just on it. <laughs> it's like with well, Beatles Abbey Road, you don't just play you never one. give them your money, yeah, you, you play the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. You have to play it, it just. It's kind of like, it's like a sip, like a sip of whatever beers that you know, but just like, I want the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, you don't just want a little taste. You want, give me the whole golden ale, you know? You can never appreciate the whole beer by just drinking one sip. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with a great album. You can't just listen to one song. You have to listen to the whole thing. It just, it, it, it was, it was, it's like a puzzle piece too. It's like, you know, you have the one puzzle. If you do the whole puzzle, you can appreciate it because it's the mm. whole picture. If you don't just look at the little picture, it's not going to do anything. There's so know? much joy when you finally find that piece and you've been searching for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when it finally fits in the groove, you're like, ah, oh, a lot of sense. And then it's done. It's, yeah. it, I, I love music. Music is a big part of my life. Like I said, I was, I played guitar. I was in bands. Um, I go to a lot of shows. 
I'm actually a record collector right now, so I'm collecting oh, nice. records and stuff like that. So I started vinyl collecting as well. It's it's a very expensive hobby. <laughs> it is. I try to limit it to two vinyls a month, and I'll I'll go to Cactus and you know just go in there once a month, pick up a couple, and then get out. You sure you didn't just read my brain? Because I do that. <laughs> I told myself, <laughs> look, two a month. That's fine. And it. then when I go to Cactus, I leave with like five. <laughs> oh, no, I'm pretty strict on my. I'm pretty strict. It's just, so many, it's just so many good things. And usually I don't pick one genre. It's like mm-hmm. I'll do a rock. I'll do a pop. I'll do uh, maybe hip hop. I'll do a little instrumental. Like I love Krungbin. They're Houston band. Oh, yeah. Krungbin is great. They're just music. is just. Texas Sun. It's so great. And yeah. it, it complements everything. You can put it on at a party. Yeah. And just. Yeah, they're so great. That's a great band. It is. They're really good. I'm glad they're from Houston. <laughs> they're putting it down. They're holding it down for H Town. I are. can say it. And it's funny because I'll tell people, I'm like, yeah, they're from Houston. They're like, what? I would never have thought. I thought they were like California people. Yeah. And it's like, no, nah, there's a Texas flavor to it. Oh, and it, it's unmistakable to us. Yeah. So they got a good style too. They do. And it's cool because they're going to be performing. Uh, New Year's Eve at the new 713 Music Hall that they just okay. opened. That's going to be awesome. That'll be fun. I haven't been to the new, I guess, was it Post HTX? I haven't been to Post. They just opened it last week. I think. Yeah, and, they, and it looks really amazing. Yeah. The architecture, just everything, the design, it's it's beautiful. I have, awesome. a, I have a friend, um, well, friends, Pop Soap. I don't know if you've heard of Pop Soap before. I have not. They're a local brother and sister uh, business that make organic vegan soap. Okay. And it smells great. It feels great. I buy most of their soaps, but they have a pop-up there. They have a little store there. They have a store off of, um, I forgot what it's called. It just opened a couple months ago. But they're they're expanding. They're doing storefronts now, you know, brick and mortars and stuff like that. Because they mainly do all their stuff online. Okay. But they'll do pop-ups here, like at, at Carbock or anywhere else. But yeah, they're 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 trying to get into like, hey, let's have a main store that people can go to. A but brick and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. But their soaps are amazing. They smell great. They feel great. Pop, pop soap. Pop soap. Okay. I'll check them. So, out. guys, if you're listening, check out Pop Soap. They've been on the podcast. They're great friends of mine. Um, they hold it down. I'm gonna keep saying holding it down. I think that's just a part of this episode. <laughs> but yes, Pop Soap is great. But uh, yeah, post HGX. I want to go and check it out. And to see what everything's about, because I know, who was it? Is it you guys that have a place in there yet? No, it's That's somebody else. No, yeah, we, the post we do not. I think that might be Carbock. Um, maybe what's one of them? It's one of those guys. All right, so let's get into St. Arnold stuff. So, okay. what do you do? You guys have to like learn the history, like when you get here, like you know when it started and stuff like that. Well, I mean, when when you get employed here, you're encouraged to. You know, you when you go out, you know, to a bar or to a tasting or you know to a pub crawl, you're representing the company. So mm-hmm. you, it it behooves you to to want to have an understanding of who Saint Arnold is or what he was. Because um, yeah, I mean, it's a great story to tell, and you know that in, engages people and they get excited about it. So yeah, I mean, we part of the you know the employee handbook there goes through a history of what who St. Arnold was as an individual, but then what we tried to take that as, as uh, within our company itself. I always like to say that, I mean, we're nothing without our community because we wouldn't be thriving if it wasn't for, you know, our customers. Um, so I'm very thankful for that whole experience um, and everything, you know, going out there, 
that they say thank you. And I was like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're, you're, this is the reason why I can do this. Um, can you give us a little, I guess, backstory history to St. Arnold for the people that don't know? Um, yeah, so St. Arnold, um, we opened in 1994. June 7th was when we sold our, shipped our first keg. Um, the beer was Amber Ale. Uh, we still make it to this day. Um, and uh, the company was started by Brock Wagner, who still works. He still comes in in the brewery. He still, he still hangs out. Um, and we opened up off of 290 um, back in 94, and we were there for 14 years, okay. I think, 14, 15 years, and then we moved into this building. Um, so we're located just downtown Houston. Um, you can see Minute Made from, from our roof. It's pretty cool. Um, we have a beer garden and restaurant. Um, it's probably my favorite place to have a beer. Um, just looks over the skyline, which is pretty great, and it's uh, mimics uh, like historical beer gardens from Germany. Mm-hmm. So, it, uh, having been to Germany a few times, it brings me back to there, and that brings a lot of happiness. Um, yeah, we we make. I'm trying to think of how many year-round beers we make. I lose track. There's a lot. It's like 14 <laughs> year-round beers or something like that, and then all the seasonals, and then all the special one-offs, the barrel-aged stuff that we do, and yeah, we root beer, and we have a lot of beers that kind of give back to the community as well. Alyssa IPA, um, we certain uh, certain amount of proceeds goes to the Alyssa Tall Ship down in Galveston. Um, what other beers do we come back with? That goes that helps support the zoo. Um, yeah, we've had we've October or um, Orange Show. We don't make that anymore, but that benefited the Orange Show Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we try to give back as often as we can, and um, yeah, we have. Yeah, we try to give back. I just want to say, I love your root beer. I think I can speak for the whole city of Houston. We all love the root beer yeah, at St. Arnold. There's a pound <laughs> of sugar per gallon. <laughs> But it's so good. Yeah, it's no so high good. Fru- no high fructose corn syrup. It's all cane sugar. Um, yeah, and it's a really good root beer recipe. My kids love it too. I love it. Do you know what's really good with root beer? What is it? I went to Louisville a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and did a bunch of bourbon distillery tours. Ooh, I think I know where you're so going with this. Buffalo Trace has a product called Bourbon Cream, mm-hmm. and you mix it with root beer. <sighs> oh, like a, it is. So good. So um, my God, I think, Oh, <laughs> I love can, bourbon. So yeah, you can find it at any liquor store, bourbon cream and mix it with some root beer. I'm going to have to try that out. I'm going to have to take your word for that. <laughs> Only with St. Arnold root beer though. Cause it's the best. It, no, I'm, I'm not exaggerating and I'm not joking. Like literally the root beer here is the best. Cause my girlfriend loves root beer. I love root beer. The first time I tasted the root beer was about, it's been a while. I had brought my cousin, and he lives in Austin, and he brought his girlfriend. So I was like, hey, let's go check out St. Arnold. That's like one of the main places people like to go here, you know, when it's touristy. So we brought him up here. You know, we got our little cups and stuff like that. And at the time, I wasn't really a big beer drinker. I maybe had a couple Dos Equis here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tried some of the beers. I tried the um, Amber Ale, and I was like, okay, this is really good. I tried one. Of the, I think you had a stout back then i forgot which one it was and then i was like you know i'm tired of drinking beer and i was like let me try this this root beer that they got here and i was like okay i have to buy this where can i buy this 
And then I found out that you guys had like an H E B and I usually buy like two packs, I'm not gonna lie. Glad it's so good. It. It's so good. That makes me happy. And it sells out of, I mean uh, it sells out. I'm not even lying. Like I'll go to the store and I'll ask somebody, he's like, Hey, do you guys have the Oh, it's already sold out. Don't even ask. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my god, what? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> We, d- we do very little marketing for it, so it's it's fun that it's just a very organic growth for root beer. It's like, yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> just let it speak for itself. That's all you have to do. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, how did you guys get into, like, the seltzers? Is it because everybody else was doing that, or did you kind of like, hey, I let's th- try this? I think <clears throat> that's a good question, and I definitely one that I try not to avoid. Um, seltzers are... It's kind of like how when when we started making cider, it we we get a lot of questions that come in that people don't like beer, but they're with friends that do like beer. So we want to. It's kind of the idea of we want to make sure that we have something available for everyone. Um, now we want to make sure that what we are making, we're not like sacrificing any of you know our own individual principles. Um, and something that we started and we want to continue to kind of live by is that we want to make an artfully crafted product that we're passionate about. And that last word is that key ingredient. We, we want to be passionate about it because if we're not passionate about it, then people will probably be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the seltzers, we knew we didn't want to just make, mix sugar, ferment it, and then use some type of, you know, food like chemical extract to flavor it Mm -hmm. we wanted to try something new and so one of those things that we wanted to try was um let's use real fruit instead of this chemical extract so we we worked with a bunch of our fruit partners and we were able to source some really cool fruits and and instead of releasing saint arnold raspberry seltzer or mango seltzer we Mm -hmm. wanted to you know have a theme behind them we wanted to you know, craft something. So the idea and COVID was hap- was like beginning. Yeah. <clears throat> More people were drinking home. Well, everybody was drinking home. <clears throat> so, well, what about, what if we make a cocktail inspired, you know, seltzer? So when we started kind of coming up with those concepts, we started, you know, gaining traction and a passion behind, okay, these actually sound pretty interesting. Let's see if we can actually execute it now. Um, and it's kind of when you develop a recipe, sometimes <clears throat> you have an idea and a, you not, sometimes the brand comes first and then sometimes it's just, let's come up with an idea and then let's see if it actually works out or mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, then we need to change things. But, yeah. um, started using all the real fruit and we turned out and like, Hey, we actually like this. It doesn't leave this residual film on our palate when we're drinking it. So that was kind of the direction that we went and that's kind of where uh, that's how we approached Superfine. And um, however, <laughs> I think the typical seltzer drink drinker are, they don't really care what's in it. If that makes sense. No, yeah, I can see that. I can see they don't really, they're just like, eh. I, th- I think they're not, you know, they're not pontificating about the nuances of, aroma or flavor mm-hmm. like you know a majority of craft beer drinkers are um, not to say that most craft beer drinkers always pontificate sometimes you just want to have a beer and that's great um, but for seltzer it was I think ours were, were a little bit higher priced because we are using real fruit um, but it didn't it hasn't 
I'm not necessarily hoping people will catch on to it, but I think ultimately they're, you know, seltzer drinkers aren't too discerning drinkers, and uh, mm-hmm. they prefer things that. I think the price point hurt us, but. But know. it's good. I mean, I I tasted a couple when I came with the friends of mine, and um, I was like, these are pretty good. These are yeah. not like typical seltzers that don't really taste that great, but it's St. Arnold's, and they put a, like you said, they put passion, they put love into it, and it's like these are great. I, yeah. I would buy them. I mean, I, I I'm very happy with the product that we made. I I like them, and but. I think ultimately, you know, people are, I guess I thought people would be more willing to spend a little bit more to actually have real fruit, but mm-hmm. that's not the case. Yeah. Well, I like real fruit, so. I like, I like real fruit, too. They might like fake fruit, but that's them. <laughs> <laughs> fake fruit. <laughs> so what is your favorite beer here at St. Arnold? Well, loaded question. Um, uh, it's a time and place for me. Okay. Um, when it gets cold out, I'm wearing a hoodie right now, so I would definitely gravitate for something a little heavier like christmas ale if it's hot h-town pills or summer pills but the one i drink the most of is definitely h-town pills mm-hmm. um to me that's a brewer's beer it's a lager it takes it takes time and care to make well and execute perfectly um and it's i love it reminds me of a lot of my favorite beers that around the world um and there's few things that are better than having a pint at the garden on a nice day and just enjoying it and kicking back and, and having a couple pints and then bringing a six-pack to a friend's house. And it's, it's a beer that, you know, most people will drink. It's not mm-hmm. overly bitter. It's not overly sweet. Um, so, yeah, and it's stage down, holding, holding it down. Actually, exactly. That's the theme. It's holding it down. It, you know, St. Arnold's is holding it down. H Town is holding it down. I actually bought... I don't know if you guys have the tall cans. I think you have the tall cans, or it might be the juicy. We, we, we do, but not of H-Town. Okay. Um, I think I... No, I don't think so. But yeah, I had got uh, one of the juicy IPAs, and um, I gave it to a friend. He was like, oh, he drinks uh, Bud Light and, and stuff like that. So I was like, here, try something better. And he was like, I'm hooked onto this. This is great. He's like, why didn't I never try this before? And I was like... Because you're drinking Bud Light, <laughs> have something, have a taste of real beer, you know, really good beer. So yeah, I think what's cool about what's happened with IPAs is that historically people were kind of turned off by an IPA because they would be too bitter, um, but now things have progressed to a certain end that a lot of new IPAs coming out are you know this hazy variety, but it's focused on using hops much later in the process, which is not contributing bitterness; it's contributing flavor and aroma. And a lot of the com- and a lot of flavors that people are familiar with, juice, like it, it has this. I mean, like juicy IPA, it mm-hmm. has this big citrus, tropical juice character, and it's not bitter. And I think when people start actually thinking, it's like, oh, I actually do like some types of IPAs. Yeah, and for a while, I didn't really like IPAs because I associated IPAs as kind of like a heavier kind of taste but i guess it's it was certain beers because my cousin's a big ipa drinker and i was like i don't really want to drink ipas but when i started i guess going outside the box and checking out other breweries ipas um i was like okay well it's different you know some are lighter some are darker some are heavier some are you know brighter whatever but when i tried you know juicy ipa and i was like Okay, yeah, this is good. Yeah, I changed yeah. my mind. <laughs> it's, now, I was, I've was i definitely been one of those individuals in, you know, a few years ago when 
hazy IPAs were becoming really popular that I, some of them don't have the best looking, like they're incredibly turbid Mm -hmm. and, but you know, a lot, there are a lot of good ones out there and, but what the hazy IPA trend has really done is brought more people into the craft beer industry, which that's not a negative to me. So that's, it's kind of like when Metallica released the black album, a lot of true metalheads said that was not a real metal album mm-hmm. but you know what it did it brought a lot of people into the to listening to metal and that's not a negative it's a positive guys <laughs> remember that <Yeah. laughs> all right so i do have two questions for you i asked some of my listeners if they could give me uh, some questions and uh, one of the questions comes from my friend uh ranting with ramos out there in la he wants to know: Do you guys ever make whiskey with the mat with the wash? I don't know what that means, but he wanted me to ask you guys. <laughs> we do. We we have. Um, we got some friends at Gulf Coast Distillery just down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, we <clears throat> we do have some whiskey aging, actually. Oh, um, it's no secret, but we only talk about it if somebody asks us. Okay. Um, okay. We're it's we are in the very very early stages and. We, I mean, to say that we're going to release it is still an unknown. So it, we're, we've, we've done it and they're about, I don't know, not even a year old yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you guys are kind of like in the process of yeah, doing yeah, all yeah. this yeah, and stuff like that. We, we have, we, we have a few experiments that we're wanting to play with. And so that, so we, we played with it and now they're, they're currently uh, aging right now. Okay. So, that's yes. cool. That's cool. Another one is from my friend, uh, the Silly Goose Podcast. He's like, can you guys sponsor Inside the North Side and Silly Goose Podcast and hook us up with some beers? <laughs> Come out for lunch and I'll, I'll buy some beers. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Caesar. He said it. All right. So it's pretty much, it's November. It's Christmas time. What guy, what are you guys pushing out right now? Because I know Christmas ale is, I've seen a lot of it in the stores, but like, what is the, Okay. Thanksgiving, what beer should I take that would complement the whole Thanksgiving dinner? Pumpkinator is a big hit at Thanksgiving. Um, most of it's probably sold out by now. Um, French Press is being released soon. Um, it's Ooh. our it's our Imperial Coffee Porter. Um, if you like coffee, you would love this beer. Um, we partner with our friends Java Pura. They're a local coffee roaster here in town. Hey, <laughs> I, I used I used to um, I used to work at a coffee shop. That was one of their their main guys that they got their coffee beans from. Oh, okay. So I know who Java Pura is. It's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so we use their espresso roast in our French press. And if you like chocolate, a little bit of roast and coffee, then French press is your beer. Um, Ooh, nice. We do a couple barrel aged versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do bourbon and cognac. Um, those also have a unique coffee that goes into those. Um, Christmas ale is always great for the holidays. Um, but yeah, French press, pumpkinator and Chris and, um, and, uh, French press. Yeah. That's what I would go with. I have to try the French press cause I do like coffee and I used to be a barista. So, oh yeah, there you go. You should. <laughs> and then bring a six pack of H town to wash everything down. Ooh, you read my mind. <laughs> All right, Aaron. So, um, I have two segments that are part of my podcast. One of them is called Unpopular Opinions. Now, I don't have a sound for that, and I know people have been getting on my butt about it, but I will come up with one. So pretty much I want to ask you, do you have any unpopular opinions? Now, it could be about music, food. It could be about 
type of beers you don't, you know, like, well, it could be anything. So if you have three unpopular opinions, let them loose. The first one that comes to mind is that I like pineapple on pizza. Yes, I like pineapple on pizza as well. <laughs> Why? Because it's so good. It tastes really good. I like sweet and savory. What's it complements it. What's wrong with it? It complements it. What's wrong with that? There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with I that. I go a step above, and I'll put chicken and pine- uh, and bacon bits on it. Oh, yeah. that's fun. I do that at, uh, at Domino's. When I go to Domino's, I was like, I'm going to get pepper. I'm going to get, not pepperoni. Get some chicken, throw some bacon, and I was like, I'm going to put some pineapple. It tastes really good. I'm, I'm a Hawaiian pizza guy. I it's really good. I it's good. It. Why, why, why bash people because of it? It's so good. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. You're not eating it. I'm eating it. I paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. Hmm. Oh, man. Tube amps are, will always be better than solid state and modeling amplifiers. I, I don't know if that, that might not be an unpopular opinion. That might be an, an Well, yeah, it is because some people prefer to use a solid state because they're a lot easier and they don't really want to figure with the tubes and stuff like that. So I think I think they will always sound better. They do sound better. It, they, a whole lot. Of it. I bought a tube amp and I can tell the difference between a solid state and a tube. And it, I love the, the, the tube because it sounds so sure. warm. But I do have plenty of neural DSP plugins that I have on my computer, which are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like Tosin Abbas, he has a plug-in with Neural DSP because the animal's the leader guitarist, and it sounds amazing. It really does. But there's just something... Uh, tube amps just have depth. They're three-dimensional. Like, Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I have a lot of musicians that listen, so they're probably like, yes, yes. <laughs> Someone just, said it. <laughs> like, even at low volume, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What's an, uh, that's a really good question. I'll give you one so, so we can we can kind of keep this going. Uh, I say this a lot. This is kind of like the icebreaker for the unpopular opinions. Uh, I don't I don't like Pico de Gallo. I think Pico de Gallo is trash. I would much go for salsa over Pico de Gallo. Exactly. Why? I, that makes me think that no, I don't. I don't usually get Pico. I I just go straight for salsa. Mm-hmm. I'm the hell on the red guy. Yes. That's a Texas salsa. I like red. I like red over green. Yeah. To be uh, honest with you. That's fine. Yeah. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I like red over green too. And I asked Dave of uh, Urban South. He, he agreed to me. He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't want my salsa cold. He's like, you might as well just give me ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, but that's why I say that. I'm like, I don't really like Pinko. I think Pinko, the guy was not that great. And I get I get you know crucified for it, and I'm like, hey guys, this is my unpopular opinion. So I like, I like mustard with my French fries. I like mayo with my French fries. I hear people are doing that. It can you explain the taste of mayo and French fries? I just like the tang, and I just think mustard's more flavorful than ketchup. I can see that ketchup is too sugar is too sugary. It's just a fruit. It's just fruit syrup. I like on, yeah. you know no mustard all day. Mayo. I love mayo. I love mayo. Yes. I went to, when we were in, went to Belgium. That was when I discovered my love for mayo. Aioli. Oh, Ooh. so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I like ketchup, but it, I think it depends. I'm very picky about ketchup. If they don't got Whataburger ketchup, 
Ooh, I don't want okay. it. Okay, that's I get that. <laughs> I get that. I have to bring my own personal ketchup bottle with me. It's like, do you want regular or do you want spicy? <laughs> yeah. Well, my my wife, her extended family's from Pittsburgh, so they're a Heinz family day in and day out. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is for them, and that's yeah. fine. That's fine. That's, that's cool. Fine. That's a hey, whatever. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else is another one? Um, I said this with my friend. Um, I don't really like Bud Light. I think Bud Light is kind of just water with like all the hops and the stuff like that at the bottom, and you're just drinking like water, water flavored beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I with the amount of options that are available, I think you there's so many there's so much many more better options. Mm-hmm. However, when I going back to my my wife's extended family, Uncle Dale drinks regular Budweiser and when I'm hanging out with Uncle Dale I'm drinking regular Budweiser but fat the king of beers there's a time and place for everything in this world and that's the time and place to drink Budweiser is with Uncle Dale and I'm okay with that hey I mean like you said time and place so there's a time which is now and there's a place which is called St. Arnold's which you guys should get your butts over here you guys I know I got a lot of Houston listeners if you don't if you've never been to St. Arnold's Brewery you should. They got a wonderful place. They got a beer garden that's beautiful and amazing. They got all kinds of beers on tap. They got all kinds of great food. You guys should totally come out here. I love coming over here. I don't. Li- I live like five minutes away from here. I like to think that we have a beer for everybody. I really do. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. So come on down. I'll I'll convince you. <laughs> I don't think that's much convincing. <laughs> um, what's another? I think I have another unpopular opinion here that I've written down. Because I usually like to write them down. We had one earlier. We like Creed and Nickelback. Oh. They already stopped listening. They stopped listening when we said Creed. I mean, from the like the first five minutes, they're like, nope, nope. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I have no problem with Creed. I like Creed. I grew up listening to like Creed and Nickel, Nickelback. I have a lot of songs from Nickelback. They have really great albums. I'm not even going to lie. I mean... Why am I going to hide and say, well, I hate Nickelback like everybody else does? No, I, I love Nickelback. And I will sing it at a karaoke party and not be ashamed. You shouldn't be. I, no, no. I'm proud of it. <laughs> um, what was it? I had one that I brought up my last episode. Um, and you probably might agree with this. If you are invited to a party and it's BYOB and you plan on coming empty-handed, I would just... It better you not come at all. Yeah, that... No. It's BYOB. Why would you come empty-handed? Some people assume... mooch on someone. No. There's a lot of people that do. I have... I know people who like mooching on. I'm like, hey, look, I got my own stuff. And it's like... You're supposed to bring your own, you know? I Since I am known as the beer guy Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood, I love bringing beer to parties. I mean, I really do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... I love watching people drink St. Arnold. I, I really, really do. It's, yeah, because it's helping provide them joy. I mean, they're not, you know, obsessing about the beer. No, it's just something that they're doing to hang out, and I'm really glad they're doing it with St. Arnold. So I love bringing the beer. Oh, I will always try to bring the beer. Well, Never. it's also good, you know, like um, good etiquette. You know, hey, look, if someone invites me, it's BYOB. I'm going to bring my own beer, yeah. you know. Don't just mooch off of people. I don't mind it, but to a point, it's like... 
That's just the fifth BYOB I invited you to. Please bring something. <laughs> I can't I can't keep giving you guys my whiskey, my bourbon, please. I think it's fun to also I think the benefit of those BYOBs is you get to introduce something new that to some Oh yeah, exactly. And then, and then that's exciting. It's it's fun to share. I don't know. It's fun to share. If you share, we all have more. Yeah, exactly. I tr- I, that's a big lesson I teach my kids is you got to share with each other because if you share, you all have more. Exactly. That's why I like bringing Houston beers to where I go visit my cousin. He lives in it's San Marcos, but it's close to Austin. And I'm like, I'm bringing you guys and I'm sharing with you guys. Check out these beers. And they're like, these beers are amazing. Why haven't we? I'm like, you guys live like two and a half hours yeah. away. Just come here. Just come yeah. for a beer. <laughs> Just come here. Beers on me. He said it. He said it. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I think that's only on public opinions. I think I got. So I don't know if you have any. Ring up in you. I will think of one, and I'll email you, and then you can bring it up on your next. Okay, awesome, great. All right, so here is the next segment. It is called. What are you listening to? Now I do have a sound for this one. It's called "What Are You Listening To?" Thank you, Chris Stapleton, for providing that. Um, Pretty much, it's I'm asking you, what are you listening to? It could be new music, could be old music, could be new podcasts, old podcasts. Anything. So, Aaron, what have you been listening to lately? Every Friday, I listen to Mellow Beats playlist on Spotify. That's my favorite playlist on Spotify every Friday. <clears throat> I love, podcast-wise, I love Peter Atia's The Drive. He is a, and he's a medical doctor that talks about, you know, what can you do to give your body the best chance of living longer? Mm-hmm. So he interviews a lot of, you know, specialized medicine people, but also people into meditation and a variety of other things just to extend what can you do best to uh, live longer and healthy. Um, Tim Ferriss, he's a great podcast. He interviews really interesting people like Jerry Seinfeld, Rick mm-hmm. Rubin, and a whole bunch of other, a slew of other individuals. Um, uh, waking Up Podcast with Sam Harris. He's a philosopher, writer. He, oh, he's, he's brilliant. He's, he makes you think different, which is I think an important exercise for everyone to do. Um, I, and then I, music wise, it, I think it's important to always listen, try to listen to new music so that you don't get stuck in a rut and listen to the same stuff over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's, mm-hmm. that's boring to me. Yeah. Don't, listen, don't listen to the same thing. No. You can come revisit your favorite stuff, but always try to listen to new music. Um, Any new bands you discovered lately? Uh, yeah. So about six months ago, I got really, I was never a country fan, hated country. Oh, really? Hated it. And then I find, uh, then I, when I moved in the new neighborhood that I'm in, I mean, that's what most people in my neighborhood listen to, but it's not like, not like pop, pop, uh, country. It's like old country outlaw country. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I always enjoyed Willie Nelson and, you know, Merle Haggard and, um, you know, Johnny Cash, but I started actually, you know, listening to it, listening to their record, their catalog and whatnot. Um, and then I got into more modern stuff like, uh, Sergio Simpson and Coulter Wall and, um, um, T- Tyler Childers. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so yes. I, I, and then that stuff that I, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I was going to be listening to that kind of country, I'm like, no, you're crazy. But no, I love it. They're, man, they're dark songs. They are dark i love sturgill simpson i love yeah. title Childers. they're great it's i like 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 with you 
I'm in Texas. You know, I was born in Texas, Texan through and through. So you're supposed to like country music, right? I grew up in the 90s. You, you got the old school, Alan, Alan Jackson. You got, you know, Brooks and Dunn. You got all of them. Growing up, I enjoyed that. And then I started hearing pop country, and then I was like, I got turned off. I was like, this is not country music. This is just, you know, pop music with like a cowboy hat on. Yeah. Whatever. So I started discovering, you know, older, I guess, country music, and I was like, who's this? Who's Sturgill Simpson? So I checked yeah. him out, and I think the first video that I saw of him was when he was in, I think he was doing like a, a show in a brewery, in a packing brewery or whatever, I forgot what it's called. Oh, wow. And um, I was like, this guy's good. He sounds very old, He sounds, but it's very modern. So I got into him, and I bought some of his music. And so and then I discovered Tyler, and then I discovered Chris Stapleton. I mean, even though he's pop, but he, he's got a lot of, like, old country flavor to him, you know, in a way. He's, he's an old, he sounds like an old man. He does. Yeah, he's, he, he's got a lot of, he has wisdom in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, I like Midland. I started listening to a lot of Midland. They're very good. They sound kind of like old school country, like how it was back in the day. Um, but, yeah, I I like older country, too. Great. Willie Nelson, you know, Johnny Cash, all of them. You got to remember your past to embrace the future. Of and I think I think these guys are doing their, their, you know, learning from the past and stuff like that. So, And I hear 90s country is coming back. I don't know why, but... It is. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> um, me? What have I been listening to a lot lately? I usually have a list. And I like a lot of indie music. I'm, you know, I like rock. I like pop. I like that. But I listen to a lot of indie music for me, mainly. Um, I think I brought this up last week. I've been listening to this band called Interwave. Okay. They're from Los Angeles. Very good. They got a lot of great music. It's very... It has an old soul to it, but it sounds very modern. So, um, who else I've been listening to? Of course, Blink-182, um, Reliant K. I've been getting into them a lot because they're supposed to be touring. Oh, wow. So That's big news. Yeah. Um, K. Trinata, Thundercat, which I'm going to go see tonight. Oh, that's exciting. So, I'm very excited for that. Um, you know, I've been, I was listening to... Black Sabbath, like a lot of their songs a couple weeks ago. Um, Metallica. I, I listen to a lot of things, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint. But new band-wise, I don't think I've discovered it in new bands. It's just mainly just a lot of new things and stuff like that. You know, Brian Adams. and oh, um, He's good. I like he is. Stuff. He is. And I've turned a lot of people on to Ryan Adams because they're like, I don't know who this guy is. And it's like, exactly. His like, cover know. of Taylor Swift's album, 1989. Is amazing. It is. I think it's, it's even better. It's I, even better than hers. I I think so. <laughs> I think that's why she was a little jealous. <laughs> it wouldn't have occurred without her writing it in the first place, though. So true. Credit true. where credit is due. True. And I got to mention you, of course, John Mayer, because my friend is a big John Mayer fan, and I am as well. So I like John Mayer. I do too. Great. He's a great great musician. Great Sob songwriter. Rock. I love Sob Rock. I did too. I bought it, and I was like, I'm going to keep listening to this for the rest of my life. Yeah. We, he's coming to town in April, I think. We got, we're, I'll be going to his show in April at Toyota. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think it's April. Yeah. I have to check into it. I have to check into it because I do want to go. I've been wanting to go to more shows because, you know, with the whole lockdown we had last year, it was kind of difficult. So, And then this year, it's kind of like, you can go to shows, but there's some restrictions. So. Yeah. I was very lucky and blessed to see Tame Impala before everything went down. 
So I had, it was October, 2019. I think that he was doing ACL and I was like, wait, he's coming here. So I was like, I have to buy tickets. So luckily um, I didn't buy tickets, but I found somebody who was selling one. So I was like, it's gotta be fake. Nobody's going to sell a Tame Impala ticket. Um, but it was very much real. I got there very early, like four hours early and there was already a line. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh man. I was like, Oh crap. So I got in one of the best concerts I've ever had in my life. Just amazing. The light show, the music, the confetti hands down. If anybody, anybody hasn't been to a Tame Impala show, you have to go. It's great. Okay. It's great. I'll, I'll keep that on the, keep that on the mind. Oh, uh, if, if you haven't listened to them, they're really great, I too. I have not. Ooh, you're in for a treat. Very okay. psychedelic, very... Kind of like Pink Floyd meets... Well, his earlier stuff is like more Pink Floyd meets the Beatles meets uh, some other bands and stuff like that. So it's really good. Really good. Really, Tame Impala is a great band. Okay. Uh, I don't have any more questions. I don't think so. Um, all right, well... Um, Aaron, is there any shout outs or anything that you want to, um, tell our listeners anything about St. Arnold's? Let them know. Well, Christmas out is out now. Please celebrate with some French press is getting released, uh, on the sixth. Um, so broken on Island just came out on Monday. It's a hazy IPA that we, we released last year and it was a pretty popular beer using Sabro hops. Um, garden is open. We are open seven days a week. Um, come out for lunch or dinner and. Have a good time in the garden. Get some H Town and or any other favorite St. Arnold beer. Um, yeah, come out. <laughs> that's all he has to say. Just just come out. That's it. Get a good view of the city. Get some great beer, some great food, some great environment. Um, thank you again, Aaron, so much for for agreeing to come on the podcast. Oh. It's great that I'm trying to get into the craft beer community because, like, I like beers. I like discovering new beers. I've been drinking your guys' beer for a while, for you know, ever since I started drinking, you know, and then you know Eureka and um, Urban South. You know, I just got into their stuff. Their their stuff is really great too. I yeah. like Urban South. Dave they, is doing some cool stuff. Their sours <laughs> are dangerously good, <laughs> dangerously. Dave hooked it up, and he was like, "Yeah, you should try this one. Try this one. Try this one. Try this one." And uh, I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure, yeah," you know. I literally drank all my beers for Thanksgiving. I made Thanksgiving for Halloween, and I was like, thank you, Dave. (laughs) These are really great. Um, But, yes, again, thank you, Aaron, so much for agreeing to do this. You know, uh, me for me, getting to get to know more about you and get to know more about St. Arnold's and just building that community, and hopefully we can do more things together and stuff like that, guys. You know, like I said, I come out when I can. I like drinking you, drinking your guys' beer. I support you. I love the root beer. I love it, all the beers. Um, but yes, again, sorry. Keep, do it again. Thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Like you, like you guys, like you heard, and I'm just stuttering because it's just what I do. Guys, if you can, come out to St. Arnold's. Have a beer with us. If you can't come out to the beer garden, go to your local HEB, go to Kroger's, go to a corner store. Specs. Specs is, you know. You can find St. Arnold, I promise you. You can find it anywhere here in Houston. And if you don't have it where you're at, just come on down. I'll buy you a plane ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, guys, this has been Inside the North Side. Thank you again, Aaron, so much for coming on the podcast. You know, you're a great representation of the company. And uh, 
got a little insight to like beer making you know be you a brewer, brewer and stuff like that so again thank you so much um like i said guys this has been inside the north side thank you for listening i will see you guys later again have a drink with us if you can uh i'll see you guys in december and uh have a happy thanksgiving and to you as well and happy thanksgiving